0: This is interview with the amazing, the extraordinary, the special, Logan Hone. Logan, great to have you. It's great to be here. Uh, we're gonna get things started. We're gonna kick things off with having you. Uh, Ryan's here too. Well, okay, Ryan's here too, but only one of you is going to be interviewed. The other one will be saved to be interviewed. TBD. Um, deleted. Come on, man. Dude, come on. Come on. So, we're gonna kick things off with uh, having you describe your work and your practice. Oh, and it should be noted that we're in a cemetery right now. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm a musician, I think, and I'm, I think I mostly identify as a performer. I think that's what I kind of do the best. I feel like my, I feel that? like my best self is me performing. like my most effective and useful mode of being
2: is performing. You don't think you but your compositions are like secondary to that. Yeah, for sure. So even like matches. Yeah. I feel like that was an expression, but still not maybe the. Yeah, your most involved or most like.
1: I mean, I feel like expressive. I use composition as a tool, to to perform. But
2: well, you were and performing actually because you were conducting.
1: Yeah, that's so true. That, I mean, that like, was a
2: performance. Yeah. That aspect of it.
1: I guess also like I've done some pieces where I wasn't performing, but like I did compose a thing that happened, and it, that feels like an extension of performance. Of performance.
0: How has your process evolved through the years?
1: Um, I feel like it's just been trying to become more inclusive, of other other things like dancing and like making pictures for shows, like images, wanting to make more videos, and yeah. But whereas before, I just maybe thought of myself as a, a saxophonist or a guitarist or something and just wanting to expand that and like just include the fact that I'm a saxophonist and that, that I'm also a guitarist mm-hmm. and that also I'm a dancer and that also I'm a drummer mm. and a singer you know just like and a performer. yeah just trying to like break down like the barriers of these kind of like walls that I've set up where I'm in this compartment now and then I'm in this compartment where it's just like I'm just in this house that has a bunch of rooms running free yeah what
0: were your interests as a child
1: I was like super obsessive I'm, I've always been super obsessive about everything but ever since I was little I would get in these really obsessive periods like a month long of being obsessed with when I was really young I was obsessed with construction workers
3: wow. the people
1: yeah, and I wanted to be that. And then I was really obsessed with Nephi, this Mormon um, prophet, like really like ancient, from the Book of Mormon. Um, my mom made me a Nephi costume, and I would run around with it in a bow and arrow. In a bow and Mostly arrow? Mostly just the bow, I guess. Because uh. <laughs> there were these storybooks that I had that had pictures of him like drawn pictures and and I thought they were so cool. There's like a, a blue sash and there's like a brown vest and a kind of reddish brown dress thing.
0: Wow. Would you wear that costume now?
1: I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure if I'd be comfortable.
0: It sounds really cool. Blue sash, brown vest. Dress <laughs> it does Yeah I guess so and a bow.
1: I guess there was maybe a headband, too. Yeah, that sounds weird. Um, and then I was, but yeah, I would, like, get obsessed with water skiing and wakeboarding. I was really obsessed with shoes, because I was obsessed with skateboarding. I got into shoes, and I started you drawing. on I
2: don't think I did. Vans.
1: Vans. Vans. Once I, like, yeah. Vans, for sure.
2: Did you, like, build your own decks and stuff?
1: I well I started drawing shoes and yeah. I like made up a shoe company, wow. and had them all over my front, all over my door, bedroom door, but um, <sighs> I was obsessed with
0: just tons of pictures of shoes on your door
1: that I'd drawn. <laughs> I was obsessed with hacky sack
2: at one point, <laughs> yo-yos. Um, what kind of tricks could you do on yo-yos? Walk the dog. Sure, I don't know. I wasn't yeah. very good, but yeah. I'd do all those. Do you have a little... silver bullet kind of yo-yo
1: did you have? I might see my dad was had yo-yos, oh, okay. so I just used the ones you he chose. had. Silver Bullet sounds really
2: familiar. Yeah, there's some, there's one that's, like, kind of fanned out. Yeah. like, was blue, I think, and went like this. Uh-huh. I don't know. There's a, many different <laughs> I was also obsessed with doing this. Cool. Let's see. That's of.
1: So I would just, like, get obsessed with those things for, like, a month, or maybe longer. Street ball. Street fourth ball. Fourth grade. I was obsessed with street ball, you know, like... Where you, it's like basketball, but instead of just, like, trying to make a hoop, it was about, like, going through the legs, going behind your back, Uh, hitting it off someone's head, like, all these things.
0: Like the tricks.
1: Yeah, all the tricks. But I would just get really obsessive and try to learn as much as I could. And then when I got into, I started playing, well, my mom made me take piano lessons from her. From her? In the fifth grade. She was teaching some kids in the neighborhood, and I did that, and I just hated it, <laughs> didn't like it, <laughs> but then in the sixth grade, I was like, I want to play the drums, and they're like, alright, and then I kind of was like, maybe on the internet, looking up a little bit about drums, and I learned how to play like, <laughs> and I went to my cousin's wedding, and there's a drum set there, and I just sat down and played that, and everyone was just amazed,
3: Whoa. wow, wow, are you doing that?
1: <laughs> I was like, I just learned it. And then after that, my parents, they got me a little snare drum <laughs> and then I bought some cymbals on eBay. Before that, I had a, a little t- pie tin set up on a camera tripod <laughs> with... <laughs> a stick tape <laughs> duct tape and then duct tape for the little holder and then put the <laughs> pipe in on. <off>. It's <laughs> amazing. Innovative. But yeah, and then when I got into that like I was pretty obsessed with that. And then later in the 7th grade, and in that time I kind of got really into jazz and I started playing the guitar and started just playing the piano more as like enjoying it. Then in the 7th grade, there was band, and I wanted to play the trombone. And my mom said, you don't want to play the trombone. You want to play the saxophone. Oh. <laughs> and I was oh, like, okay. And then I just got a sax from the school. And by the time that I actually finally got the saxophone, I knew... We had... We didn't... I went to this weird 7th grade. I was living in Sacramento, and the middle school wasn't very good, so... My parents had me go to this little charter school, which is actually where I also went to elementary school. But they set up a band program at the high school pretty close, and that happened almost maybe in November or something. So a few months into the school year. And then I finally, like, they taught us about the embouchure and stuff. It was like an early morning class. And then finally, by the time I got the saxophone, I had already learned the fingerings on the internet. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the first day, I was like playing Christmas carols on the saxophone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> how did you practice the s- fingerings without I, lo- I was just looking.
1: I was just looking at them online yeah. and figuring him out. And um, I had, you know, because my mom taught me piano, I pretty much knew how to read sheet music mm-hmm. already. So. I was just reading out of this little Christmas book that we had. Um, I forgot what the question was. What was the question?
0: Your uh, oh, yeah, interest of, as a child. Yeah,
1: so then by the ta- that time, I was just f- obsessed with music. Okay. And basically, from that time until definitely the end of college, I spent at least 80% of my time thinking about music, I think. Pretty obsessively.
0: Uh, has it always been fun? Yeah. Except piano lessons.
1: Yeah, yeah. I didn't like the piano, but but then once I got into the drums, and my mom got this little like, I think it was called Jazz Rags and Blues, piano book, mm-hmm. just really easy like a little. Mel Bay book, right? Something like that. Yeah, and I enjoyed that, so that's when I started liking the piano. Wow. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, have you ever wanted to stop and do something else?
1: I mean, not really, honestly. I mean, like, lately I've been like, man, I didn't learn anything in college except for music, you know? And I'm like, dang, it'd be cool to, like, go back to school or just, like, have tutoring lessons or something. Like, I don't want to learn on the internet. I, I hate that. Why? I don't, like... It's just so hard for me to concentrate. But when someone's actually there teaching me, Mm. it's really engaging. But yeah, like, I'd love to take a math class. Algebra, statistics, whatever. I don't know, because I don't know anything about it. Mm. (laughs) Math, science, history, English. I feel like I want to study those things now. But I don't want to do something else, really. I still just feel like I want to be a musician I think
0: but you want to know more things about things that are music exactly okay um what has aging done to your work and your practice what do you mean like 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 me aging yeah (laughs) like maturing or getting older
1: I feel like I just made this like voice memo to myself yesterday and that was like you're so young and it's easy to forget how young I am that's true but like in terms of like a career artist career like 24 is just so so young it's like super just like this is like the stage when most artists are like just totally experimenting and I feel like that's what I'm doing
4: Mm.
1: I feel like the things that have been happening lately have been awesome and I'm so excited about that But I guess with aging, I feel like I'm just constantly trying to just chill out and just be, like, content with whatever's happening. I don't know if I'm doing that well. But that's something I think about more. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: What are your practical artistic goals for yourself?
1: Practical in terms of, like... Like uh, could be achieved soon,
0: yeah, or over the course of your life.
1: Um. Well, lately I'm just like feeling really ready to try to play for different people and like people that like I think it would. Like that, trying to just like use my like performances to like make people feel good,
4: mm.
1: and I was talking to Caitlin Conlon, and she's gonna hook me up with some hospital things, mm. so I'm really excited about that. But yeah, I just want to perform more and like bring more positive energy to performances, and I just want people to have a fun time when they see me play,
4: mm.
1: you know. I keep using my mom as a guide. I think I told you that, right?
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. I keep thinking, like, what would my mom, who's just, like, an, a really amazing person that just, like... She doesn't really listen to music. She listens to, like, church music. Yeah. And, and will listen to things that I show her and stuff, you know? Yeah. But she she doesn't, like, buy albums or anything like that. Right. But the type of thing that, like, if my mom came, she'd be like, that was so much fun. I right. loved that. That yeah. was... You did that, and then you did that, and then they were doing that, and they were, and it was just fun, and I was having fun, and everyone was dancing and like smiling. I feel like that's kind of a, a big goal, is that to happen, and f- I just want to at this point like perform more and more. There was a while where I was trying to like kind of, I was performing so much, like three times a week, four times a week, um, where I was like wanting to kind of channel it into just like better shows kind of like rehe- have a little more preparation rehearsal and like do a really great show right now uh, I'm back to just wanting to perform a lot mm-hmm. but perform with pretty much the same people all mm-hmm. the time I think that's where I'm at just like try to get to like a really kinetic energy with, this, with a group of people perform a lot and just like you can do anything together in magic happens
4: you
2: yeah. like the Henry Threadgill band
1: yeah
2: well, at least I haven't heard that much from them but that's what he said about his group is that they would learn like written material uh-huh. and just like deconstruct it or like see how useful any of it was like <coughs> maybe totally dismiss it but just get to a point where they had just like this telepathic communication yeah. where they would maybe go into through composed stuff or just Mm -hmm. going to improv but it was like more just about like this collective consciousness that they were performing and
1: like know the material well enough like know the material to the point where you can just when someone goes to that everyone knows where it's at Mm. and then like you can have these like I, I guess like form is just super important to me like I just saw the Reggie Watts band the other night and it was so amazing like so unbelievably amazing but the form just like kind of wore me down Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it wore everyone down cause like it's pretty much all these just kind of long jams yeah. and Reggie's doing this like
3: <laughs>
1: Reggie's doing this amazing stuff over and the band sounds amazing mm-hmm. but it's just like all these long it's like, forms that are just, man, just homogenous like, yeah do that and then do a a really short song (laughs) and they actually the second set they did a a couple really short little things and that was amazing but in the context of the set like do a long song do a little short thing do a medium thing do Mm -hmm. an incredibly short thing you Mm -hmm. know and things can flow or they can like stop just like I feel like if you have a band that is like has played with each other enough and knows each other like those things can just happen if you kind of do a little planning together, rehearse, and then just, like, when you're performing and playing, you just let things happen. That's that's where I'm at. That's Those are kind of my goals. I want that to happen with Bright Whistles right now.
0: Okay, dream artistic goals.
1: Dream artistic goals?
0: Money and time are no option.
1: I think, like, I'd love to have a TV show.
0: Oh, Wow.
1: <laughs> but, I mean...
0: Wait, what kind of TV show?
1: I don't know. I have no idea.
0: Like Adult Swim 15 Minutes just crazy, or like talk show? Or yeah, like a major more network. like the Adult Swim thing. Okay.
1: Um, but I mean, like, David Byrne is obviously a huge influence. Toon Yards. Mm. Also, like, Deerhoof is just like the epitome of just a DIY band that's just done the coolest stuff for so long. They're a huge inspiration. So yeah, I just want to like figure out how to keep playing with the people that I like playing the most with and just making cool stuff. But yeah, I think that, I mean, I dream of like playing on like festivals sometime or would love to be able to do performances at I don't know, places where a lot of people could see. Hmm. But also, if that stuff doesn't happen, that's fine.
0: So, so the internet.
1: The internet. A lot of people can see it on the internet.
0: That's true. That's very true. (laughs) Right. Um, When you daydream, what do you think about...
1: Um, Have you already covered this? I think a lot about when I'm, well I have a few different modes I think of like daydreaming one is like when I'm kind of composing I pretty much do all my composing in my head almost exclusively and then I either just write it, or I mean learn it with the other musicians and just like sing it to them or whatever or a lot of times like especially with similar fashion, we don't have tons of time to rehearse so I just gotta write out charts usually, so I'll just like um, hear it in my head imagine it and then write it down on on the paper and usually I'm just like thinking a lot about what it would feel and sound like and just like I see it's probably not like you where I see colors but it's kind of like that mm. like I imagine these kind of like glowing things or something mm. how it would sound And then I think a lot about like how could we get how could like opportunities to play and stuff. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time emailing venues and things. I sent so many emails today, I think this morning I sent like five or six uh,
0: to venues.
2: Like venues and colleges. Colleges. <laughs> yeah. I saw you you gave like a lecture at a university in the Northwest. Uh-huh. And You were yeah. dancing across the stage, yes. with a similar fashion. Yeah, what was that? That was like a workshop. <coughs> yeah, on that, that tour we does did. Structure? How was that structured? How that presented to the
1: students? On that tour, I think we did six, like lecture performances. Uh-huh. So we would usually just like play and then just answer questions. That's
4: cool. So
1: cool. Yeah, it's so fun, because we're a little bit different than you know, what most schools are seeing like. For that, we were at just like a... It was a Catholic school that had elementary, middle school, and high school. So we Mm -hmm. performed for all three schools. Oh, yes. And it was great. That was for the elementary school. That video, I (laughs) think. That video of you dancing? Yeah, and the the students were just super into it. Wow. They thought it was so cool. And they would ask really cool questions just to like... For example, they asked Jesse just like, Have you ever dropped a stick? (laughs) <laughs> what do you what do you do when you drop a stick? And he just showed them. He just went like and he just like threw a stick and then just picked up another one and kept the beat going oh, and all wow. the kids were just like, "Wow."
3: <laughs> Lauren
1: showed them all her pedals and like her delay pedal and reverb and wow. Her, and everyone was just super into it. And then at the jazz programs like university jazz programs a lot of the students are asking us questions about, mostly, honestly, just, like, like, how'd you get the courage to do what you just did? Stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. when, how'd you, when did you start, like, mo- dancing when you played the saxophone, or when did you start singing these, this way? You know, stuff like that. Because most of those students actually, like, are great musicians with a lot of skill, but maybe sometimes, like, feel a little limited Mm
4: -hmm.
1: and just haven't been maybe exposed to many performers that don't feel limited, you know? And I feel like we've all been exposed to a lot of those performers, so, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: When did you start dancing and playing the saxophone?
1: I think it was just pretty recently. Yeah. Really? I mean, I've always been like really animated Mm -hmm. when I played and would dance with Bright Whistles. We danced a lot.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. I guess that's when I started. But I think actually, a big like help for me dancing and saxophone playing was playing these wedding gigs Mm -hmm. like party band wedding gigs. And that's when I started doing it a lot, I think. I guess maybe two years ago or so. Yeah, just playing, like, top 40 songs, and there's a bunch of drunk people in the audience dancing. (laughs) And then I'm just, like, going nuts, Mm
4: -hmm.
1: screaming on the sax and dancing... And then, like, going out in the middle of the audience, taking a solo where I'm, like, on my back, kicking up in the air. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's, like, a circle of people around me just going,
3: yeah! <laughs> and
1: I was like, oh, man, people love this. And I love it. So, like...
2: It's amazing.
1: And then it started getting more, like, serious about think- thinking about it more. And, like, I guess thinking of it as, like, an artistic practice or something.
0: Hmm. What's your relationship to ritual?
1: I don't think I have much of a relationship to ritual Do you have any? I don't think so
0: So you live your life pretty spontaneously? I
1: think so I mean, I think there's been times where I had a lot more structure, but lately, like in college, I was super structured with my practice schedule. Mm. Like I kept notebooks that were like very intense um, with the time of day I practiced this thing for how many minutes. You know, I'd write three twenty-three to tw- three twenty-five. <laughs> this thing
3: <laughs> <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> thoughts about
1: it you know wow. and then wow. you know and then I'd write four thirty to five thirty. I worked on this jazz standard and I played along with the CD or I learned this. Did you play with the Abrasol CDs? I did that yeah not a the time. beginning
2: but in college too or a little bit? Yeah for
1: sure yeah, yeah I'd turn it on um but mostly I was like transcribing solos by like Charlie Parker and John Coltrane and wow. People like that and learning them in different keys and stuff.
2: Oh wow, I did that a lot. Learn other people's solos in different keys.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I could play a few Charlie Parker solos in like
2: twelve keys. Can you sing Ooh. us a Charlie Parker solo? <laughs>
1: right now? Yeah. I probably could. Like ornithology or. Uh,
2: um,
1: let's see if I can get through it. I might forget some part. High. Um. But what's the song? Do 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 do
4: dada
3: pa pa da da pa pa da
4: da da
1: da 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 Man, I'm forgetting it <laughs> No, that's that's a different solo I don't know It's been a while since I've been doing that
2: <laughs> can you, can you sing the Giant Step solo? The train,
1: the no the I didn't know that one I could probably sing um His solo on Tender Madness Something like that wow. that's the first chorus, wow. but um yeah, I was all my teachers like had me focus on that stuff, so in college, that's the first four years while I was at snow, that's pretty much what I was doing, which I'm grateful for. it like gave me like so much facility on the saxophone, like learning all those solos, just like learning them all in the different keys. Um, I can just play that kind of stuff in any key any of the 12 keys you know um and I definitely had to spend some time unlearning a lot of those things and (laughs) the hot licks I still try to unlearn that stuff but I'm just psyched that I can do it you know that's amazing
2: Wow, that's the truth
0: yeah when you're bored what do you do
2: Are you? Bored?
0: Yeah, right. Are you one of those people <laughs> that doesn't get bored? Are you bored? Yeah. What What do you do lot? when you're bored? Uh, I try and do something artistic, like drawing or singing or impression or an accent or something. Oh, cool. Yeah, but that doesn't always work. A lot of times I go on social media, and that's not good at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely do that. Instagram.
0: Yeah. Or I look for inspiration online. Maybe not just on social media, but like I watch videos. And Try and, like, look for something I've never seen before.
2: Do you have mentors? I know you work closely with that the composer and you uh, Yeah. It's the Avon I've had some
1: awesome mentors. Um, my teacher at Snow College, Willie Applewhite, he's the jazz director. He mm-hmm. went to Juilliard and he lives in New York again. I just saw him last month. But super close mentor. Wow. Just amazing He is like my, one of my best friends for the four years I was, or I guess he was only, I was only there with him for three years. My first year was James Burton, who was also a great teacher. Um, but yeah, Willie, super tight mentor. And then I just learned so much from him. He was a very straight ahead jazz musician, but in the, like in the best way. Yeah. He's just, he doesn't buy into any of the really like stupid things about, like, modern jazz. Yeah. And just, like, a lot of things about, like, jazz education. You want um, to maybe cite some of the... What are the... What are the I don't even want to... It's okay. Go into mean, this, yeah, but... No, it's fine. You don't... to no, you know <laughs> um, He just is obsessed with... a genuine musician with, and just loves music. Yeah, he would always talk about, like, being raw. Yeah. And he never talked about scales gotcha. or rhythms. Oh, okay, He was wow. always, like... But... We had he was always like
2: That's having
1: really like good conversations about our solos and stuff, but yeah. it was still like in a very musical. Yeah, we were talking about like we were we were using musical terms mm-hmm. and like we weren't talking about aesthetics, or things like that very yeah. much. But yeah, we would like for the jazz improv class, we would play and then well, we'd have to learn a tune, memorize it, and. You know, we'd pay, take a solo and then talk about it. That's the kind of stuff he he liked to do. Um, and then my saxophone teacher that came my fourth year at Snow College was named Patrick Cornelius, and he flew in from New York for our lessons. Wow. And I felt really close with him. He taught me a lot. He's great. And then at CalArts...
2: What about the guy who
1: founded the... Oh, duh, yeah. (laughs) Most of all, it was Christian Asplund, where me and Jesse were just talking about this last night, I think, but two nights ago. Christian taught at BYU where Jesse went, and at some point Jesse started playing with him, probably around the same time me and Jesse, we had known each other for a long time, but became friends. Like and started playing together. And then I was like, he told me about Christian Asplund, and I looked him up, and he had all these videos on YouTube, and I was just like, what? This guy lives in Utah? Who,
3: what? I was <laughs>
1: freaking out. I went and watched all these videos, and then like I came and saw them play with this quartet that they had. Uh, it was like a school quartet that, that Jesse had put together. and They were playing all of Christian's music, and they blew me away. Wow. And... Um, I was like, I want to play with Christian Asplund. And Jesse set it up, and the three of us played... One time we played some of Christian's tunes. And then I was just so eager and enthusiastic, you know? Just, like, made it really known to him. Mm-hmm. At the time I was... Or right after that, I guess... Well, he had written a lot of experimental operas. Like, he had a thing in Seattle called the Seattle Experimental Opera Company. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife, Laura Candlin, and... They made these amazing operas And we were super inspired by them And I was writing these operas We wrote a couple Like little ones And then me and Jesse did a bigger one and You got
2: like a commission right? It's yeah commission. we
1: got a little like, grant from the school To put it on I think it was like $1500 or something <gasps> And we got We got uh, like I think it was about 30 friends involved Wow A little less than that and, yeah, so then it, we were started playing with Christian at the time, and he, I think he had been really searching for some musicians to play with and was just thrilled to have us, because he was always just like, you guys can do anything, and you're willing to do anything. And mm-hmm. he was just like, I can put anything in front of you guys, in front of you, and you can read it, you know? So he just thought that was amazing. We could solo over whatever chords. And um, so then... He was just really excited. We were so excited to play with him. So we started playing a lot. And then he started this thing called Avant Garage, oh. which was in his garage. It was a weekly performance. And we would rehearse that Sunday and then play that night. And that was just the best experience and education that we could have had because we were all writing pieces. And it was like, it's like a no Nebraska, risk.
2: like Mitchell, like how they describe founding that organization, the AACM. Yeah, in Chicago, yeah, exactly. You'd have the... No, Mujal Richard Abrams had the experimental band practice on Monday nights, and you'd yeah. have everybody right. Yeah. That was the whole kind of philosophy it. felt it. exactly like
1: that. I'm sure it wasn't as, like, far-reaching Still, as the AACM. No, nah, I
2: mean, that's the same spirit in which it was done.
1: I mean, we yeah, it was just, like, such an amazing experience to just have this no-risk environment and have all this creative energy... So we were all just trying all these things and like, and then performing and like, they really caught on. Like, we always had people there. Like, maybe the lowest attended one was maybe fifteen people. Wow. And then we had somewhere the garage was packed. Like <laughs> seventy people came. Oh. <laughs> And, like, we had the garage set up really great. There were lights and stuff. It was really fun. So we would always play last. That band's called Fun Coffin. And after this old BMW convertible that Christian had, that he named the Fun Coffin. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then we had just everyone else that we could think of perform, too, in Utah. So there was Poets, and Laura performed a lot, and some other friends. Laura? and Laura? Yeah, Christian's life. Just oh. um, a writer. Yeah, really amazing. Um, and yeah, that was the best. That was. I feel like that's where I got most of my, or not most of, but like a huge part of my like confidence and willingness. And then I was just so influenced by Christian Asplund feel like my composition just directly stems from him Mm -hmm. it sounds very different because I'm bringing in a lot of different things that you know he's not really interested in but like with him is when like he was so he felt liberated by us Mm. because of what I said earlier but like he wrote this piece piece called Ghost Speech Mm. and it um, had all this it was like a series of 40 pieces or something And one piece would be kind of just a normal piece where it was, like, I was playing sax. He was playing piano for that whole piece, and Jesse was on drums. And it would just be trio, like a piece. And then the next piece would be, like, stare at somebody in the audience and speak what they're thinking.
4: Whoa! And then the
1: next piece would be, like, um, Logan dances to Jesse's drum solo. And like Jesse tried to make the drum solo exactly what Logan's dancing. Whoa. He was thinking about these kind of like like ghost kind of things of this kind of like shadowing mm-hmm. and stuff. We did some things where Jesse told a story and I had to play the sax in perfect unison with his storytelling, wow. which is all improvised. You know stuff like that.
2: You think that's kind of the spirit in which that similar fashion piece where you guys are all explaining. Oh, Simultaneously? You think that so good speech? Yeah. Yeah, that's just like directly stealing yeah, from. That seems like it'd be in the same kind of family. Yeah. That's cool.
1: And Christian was really interested in like these kind of like sections where he had a piece called like Chorale Juxtaposition, I think, and it was just this like corral, And then the rhythm section, every measure changed from bossa nova to jazz to <laughs> heavy metal, you know? <laughs> He's into it's like that. Like a John of stuff. Zorn kind of yeah. intense contrast yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyway.
0: How have you dealt with fear or insecurity in your practice?
1: I've never felt fear or insecurity directly. Mm-hmm. I think I've always felt pretty dang secure with myself. And I think just like over time, just like kind of like what I was saying like breaking down these kind of barriers that I have somehow set up or I've just like been in a like a music school that sets up these barriers and then be like oh I don't have to do that okay cool I don't have to do that anymore but yeah I don't get stage fright I don't know I guess probably like deep down I am insecure and (laughs) have fear but I don't really think about it much
0: smart
2: yeah are you afraid of um, like in a more free context are you ever do you ever put yourself in positions or feel you're in positions where there's not enough structure or form that you feel like you n- you won't be able to be as expressive within an open context or do you feel like you always have just enough of a grounding on maybe an idea or even just like a text direction like Christian Esplin would do uh-huh. to really bring your full faculties as a performer. Just I like, feel like have it's you, just... you ever felt that way? Like there's too much? Like, oh, am I... Like, is this actually going to be effective or...
1: I feel like um, it's just about the relationship with me and whoever I'm playing with. Like, with Jesse, for example, I've just played so much with Jesse we, I just feel like we could do anything at any moment. One of us will just cue each other. I think that's the thing with, like, free improvisation that I'm uncomfortable with. Is, like, this, like... N- just uh, When you're playing with someone in this such open context, and there's... You just haven't, like, told each other it's okay to do certain things. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little awkward. But I feel like <laughs> me and Jesse have just literally said, like, Hey, you can cue me whenever you want. Yeah. And you can tell me with whatever motions, to or just or play change. intuitively. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but we definitely like when me and Jesse improvise. I'll just be like, and then yeah. I'll just like point up, and then we'll hit something yeah. really hard. Yeah, and you guys or,
2: have all the vo- a lot of vocabulary together. Exactly. So, mm-hmm.
1: in that no, but then like other times, I don't know. I'm, I might just feel a little uncomfortable with someone like that that thing where like you're done with a piece and someone's still holding their instrument up like focusing but it's done yeah like
2: that's
1: really awkward you know
2: what was it like going to New York and playing with some of uh, Threadgill's the cellist from Threadgill's you said you wrote some pieces specifically for that kind of group and I don't, what was it like I don't
1: think I actually did write oh. any pieces for it oh. that time I brought a bunch of older pieces oh, okay I think
2: oh okay but um, you, what was it like playing I arranged
1: with them, them. It was really surprising. Um, Like, I played with Booker Stardrum, who's an amazing drummer, and Christopher Hoffman, who's just, like, one of the coolest cellists ever. Two of my, like, favorite musicians. And it was fun. I think I learned that I shouldn't bring as much... I brought too much structure into that context. And looking back, like, I wish we had just improvised. Yeah. And I think that would have been more awesome. But it was a great learning experience. It was still fun playing with them. They sounded amazing. Some of the forms of the performance felt a little rushed and just awkward. Just because they were like... Actually, I was planning on just like reading the charts how they were. Which they had some open sections and things. But then the rehearsal just like didn't feel right. And then I decided we would open some things up. Just like... For example, just, like, give a little bass line that we'd kind of go go off of and stuff like that. With, like, one section we I was going to cue. But, yeah. I don't know. I think just going to... It just made me be, like... If I'm going to play with musicians in this context, probably just improvise. But preferably... Maybe don't play with them right now, you know? <laughs> like, maybe just play with my friends that I have this <laughs> rapport with and mm. that we have the time to rehearse how we want and and then do it and make it how we want it to be, you know? Like, mm. all the way. And I don't know, but then the other night I played with Owen Stewart-Robertson at my house, and that was just really fun. It just, like, had mm. a blast. And I think that's because I just... I didn't bring anything to the table I just came at it totally without any expectations completely open minded exactly Mm -hmm. and I think that that's why it was so like it felt great you know
0: Uh, you are going to dance for the last time on earth what is the song you would dance to? You don't have to pick just one. It could be a couple.
1: I think it would just change every single day.
0: <laughs> Honestly. Today. one today?
1: Yeah. Today it would be this song by, I think his name is William Anyabar. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I showed it to you. Yeah. That's a great song. Yeah. Fantastic Man? Fantastic Man. Yeah, that's pretty great. I'd dance to that one today. That's
0: awesome. It's pretty long.
2: <laughs> yeah, it'd be that's a long dance. Nice long dance.
0: Okay, so that's the last side of the artistic questions, and now I just have life questions if you're down. Okay. Um, what would you consider your greatest accomplishment in your life thus far? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be some big, lofty success that you've had, just something you're proud of. Making a good sandwich. Yeah.
1: I'm really proud of the way I play the saxophone, mm. honestly. I I really like it. I really like playing. Yeah, like I said, like I feel like my performing, my performing is my best self. So like, I feel like my yeah, my (laughs) performing. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like it's. I mean, I've spent so much of my life working on it, and I feel like pretty proud of
2: it. I guess. Why not?
0: What's the weirdest habit you have, or most unusual?
1: I don't think I... It doesn't seem unusual, but I, I'm a pretty obsessive, like, list maker. And I record a lot of memos into my phone and have just so many lists. I hang a lot of them on my wall. Oh. Have you seen my room?
0: No, never.
1: I have just lists all over the walls. Wow. <laughs>
0: Like you did of shoes on your door when you were a kid. <laughs> That's just on your <laughs> exactly. It's all just ideas, right? <laughs> oh, <I love> that.
2: <laughs> you really came full circle on that one. Yeah. I
1: have I have lists of performance possibilities, lists of piece ideas, lists of <sighs> That's so cool. I have like a list of just all the similar fashion songs we are playing right now. I've like I make to do lists basically every day. I have lists on my computer of touring contacts and lists of musicians in LA I like. Wow. Lists of everything. I'm pretty obsessed with like just self documentation, honestly. I think that came from my mom, who's like and just kind of I don't it's a pretty Mormon thing to like hmm. keep journals. Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. What? Yeah. It's like something in the uh, religion? Not in the,
1: not in the religion, but like in the culture. Like, oh, really? yeah, journal. In like wow. g- genealogy.
4: That's... Really?
1: Which I've never done. But. um <laughs> you never got into that one. <laughs> <laughs> I never got into Journaling, that one. <laughs> but but journaling yeah. you'd hit hard. I, my grandma was an intense journaler. She has just volumes and volumes of journals. So
0: my grandma. Now, have you kept a journal throughout your no,
1: life? No. I have not been good at keeping journals yeah. but now i i don't keep journals but i keep like these lists uh, and i feel like journals. they're my journals yeah That's cool wow. and i'm yeah i've just always been really into kind of just like documenting my my uh life as an artist basically mm. just i always think about like when i'm just whenever I find something from when I was in high school, I'm always really excited about it. So I feel like I'm going to feel the same way when I'm like 60 years old, looking back cool. at yeah. what I was listening to right now, thinking about. Hmm.
3: Um.
0: Is there a movie that has influenced your life?
1: super into Arthur and Barney
0: Arthur the TV show the aardvark
3: yeah
0: the aardvark yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still watch the shows but not like the new episodes yeah, I watch the, the old yeah. Ones. I've been
2: the watching old the old ones. ones I love it. with the themes like we need to learn how to live together every day we're walking, walking down, down the street
0: <laughs> everybody that you meet Teet. has an original Do point like of view you. <laughs> <laughs> Nice and, say, hey, 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 what a wonderful, wonderful kind kind of day. Day.
2: Hey, to learn to walk and, and play, play. Hey, and, and, get and get along with each, each other. other. It's great, like, <laughs>
3: kind of reggae kind of Yeah, it's a little
2: reggae. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, I feel like
1: uh, for me and probably many of my peers, PBS just had yeah. a pretty, pretty,
0: solid.
1: pretty big influence on my life. Mm-hmm. Totally. Did
0: you ever watch The Puppet or uh, Puzzle Place?
2: Uh-uh. Oh, wow. God. What's that?
0: It's a show with puppets that all hang out at this place, this after school place, like they went to school because they were puppets. Uh-huh. And they <laughs> get into these situations at the puzzle place. And there are these like other puppets that don't speak in English. They speak gibberish and they sort of like run the place. And like look out for them, but then there's this, all these segments where they show videos of like real kids doing things, and they teach you things. Like yeah, we're gonna learn about kids cooking, kind of in the same way Arthur does, but not in the like okay. school form. Like Tay-tay-tay. like in the
1: middle of the yeah show,
0: the most memorable one I had was when they invited a wheelchair puppet to come and talk to the Puzzle Place puppet kids about what it's like being in a wheelchair, and then they showed all these videos of kids in wheelchairs just living normal life. And it was really influential to me. No one's seen that show.
1: How about Zoom?
0: Oh, oh, come on, Zoom. (laughs) If I had a TV show, I'd like it to be like Zoom. Yeah. Like an older Zoom, but not like gross, weird, like, in the same spirit Uh of like play and discovery and like crazy, wow.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, adult. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, Zoom. Do you dream at night? Sometimes. What has been your most memorable dream?
1: In my life? Mm-hmm. I had these dreams when I was younger, like 10 to 15, maybe. These, like, more kind of recurring, like, World War II dreams. Wow. Like, a kind of Holocaust dreams. Whoa. One dream... Maybe this is the most memorable. I was, like, like, a prisoner... At a concentration camp. I had climbed over and escaped the, <laughs> the gate or whatever. Yeah. And they had, like, seen me and chased me. And we ended up in this, like, room. And there was me and a couple people, like, friends or, like, other people that escaped. And this, like, s- like soldier, like, shot me and killed me. And I fell down onto the bed face f- face down. And then fell through the bed into a cloud and fell into a big room. It was a yoga room. And all my friends were in there doing yoga. What? That was was heaven. Wow. That was heaven. I think that was my most memorable dream.
0: Good good ending to that dream. <laughs> wow. Um what do you feel that you couldn't live without?
1: Um it seems pretty hard to live without music and seems I've just been like so lucky to have just an awesome family.
4: Mm.
1: Just they're the nicest. Seems like I guess it seems like I could live without them, but it'd be a super huge bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, how do you deal with the sadness and anger in your life?
3: Mm, whoa. It's a deep one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa.
0: Do you have a method? I don't <laughs> just know. Just take it as it comes.
1: Probably just take it in and bury it as deep as
3: possible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, Best lie you've ever told?
1: Best lie I've ever told? I've been pretty dang honest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think if there's... I don't know. Now I'm thinking of a couple small lies that weren't very good. (laughs) (laughs) That I maybe don't want (laughs) to (laughs) say.
3: You don't have to. Um,
0: Do you have any good lies? Yeah, okay, mine... And I said this on my interview with Alex... Um, the best lie that I've ever told was convincing everyone when I was 25 that I was really confident Uh when I was just really insecure and it came out in this uh, Augusto Wall class that I was taking you do these exercises where you're walking around the room and the person calls out like put your hand on the shoulder of you know the person that you'd want to play in a movie of you or put your hand on the shoulder of someone you think has similar interests and on the last day, she said, put your hand on the shoulder of the person you think is the most confident, and everyone put their hand on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. It, like it, like, freaked me out that everyone thought I was so confident. Mm-hmm. And so, it's, like, a great lie. I convinced people mm. that I was really confident, when really I was, like, the most insecure.
1: What were? You, why were you insecure?
0: I, you know, didn't really know where my life was going, and I was... Studying something that I had, you know, kind of half interest in, but mostly I I wasn't interested in it, yet I wasn't. Which is, like, theater? Yeah, and I wasn't confident enough to, like, oh, I don't want to do this, I want to do dance, but I'm like, I can't be a dancer, I've got no training, you know? Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was sort of living a double life, yet being like, oh, but I'm confident, (laughs) great! Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good life, (laughs) to put one over on so many people. That's mine. Did, mine you have
1: did acting confident make you more confident?
0: Yeah. Like, fake it till you make it. Yeah. But I never made it. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, I've made it now. weren't. the confidence is, like, inner confidence now. Like, yeah. oh, I have a groundedness in my life that makes me confident. But
1: What's the groundedness?
0: Like, meditation and, hmm. you know the study like the archetypal study that I do and like really understanding more about myself and why I do the things that I do and mm-hmm. forgiving people in my life and myself that makes me more confident but before it was just like I'm gonna dress really crazy and I'm gonna talk to people I don't know yeah. and I'm gonna dance while people aren't dancing and I'm confident not really yeah do you have the best lie?
2: the best lie I don't know if I have the best <laughs> lie I'm trying to think of lies i have told
0: Well you think about that Or yeah. do you have one?
2: No I was just saying Well, I used to like Live in and It wasn't really a lie but It's just I was living in a professor's house with were on sabbatical And they didn't know that I was doing <laughs> <laughs> With some other people And the person was actually taking care of the pets At the house came home. But we never really lied. We were honest about it. But we, I guess we were never asked by the people that owned the house if we were staying there. So huh. It felt like a lie. It was like living a lie, right? Because it was yeah. like we're living in someone's house where we weren't paying rent we didn't belong there. But... So <gasps> it was we like our daily it. experience. Yeah, huh. so I guess we never told it. Uh. But then my guru called me out on it that summer. You'd heard the story. Yeah. but I asked some esoteric question about this Russian mystic from the 19th century. And I was like, do you have any connection with this Russian Mr. blah? And he he just, unrelated to the question, he just goes, what do you call people that don't pay rent? (laughs) And everybody's like, why is he talking about that? And I was just like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) He just called me out.
0: What's the most memorable meal you've ever had?
1: Hmm. So like, which meals can I remember?
0: Or, like, is there a meal that you had that was so great it just made an impression on you? Or that was so terrible it made an impression on you? Or (laughs) any meal that you could just think, oh, that was memorable."
1: Uh, I went to that place Thank You For Coming a few years ago. Do you know that place? No. I think it's... Where is it? It might be, like, on Los Feliz or something. Thank you for coming. Um, But it's, like, this artist... It's really cool. It's like a restaurant artist thing. And it's like art practice, um social thing, like um, where the artists like come up with these meals and there's like stuff about it. But I went there a few years ago. I need to I should go again. But that meal I hated. Really I hated that meal. It was awful. Um I can't remember anything about it, but <laughs> you didn't like it? there was like yeah. these like liver pate, oh, uh, yeah. pickle, that's in a It's, like pickles domain. and like mu- ton- these tons of mustard seeds. Those were like the three main things, liver and I, I didn't I didn't pâté. like that meal. <laughs> <That's> bad, <man. gasps> I'm just super lucky that Jessica is such a freaking good cook, so. I try to help her cook, and she's just the mastermind and makes great food all the time. So that's been me for the last few years.
0: Um, what are the items that you own that could tell the story of your life?
1: Definitely my CDs. Oh, that's a good answer. I s- collect CDs. I'm pretty obsessed about CDs, which is just ridiculous because I understand that they're just a horrible medium, but yeah. I really like them.
2: Yeah. yeah. But I've so CDs. I have a lot of CDs. Life's littered in jewel cases. Yeah. <laughs> That's jewel
1: cases and digi
2: packs. Digi packs. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a big, like pack? Do you, how do you store them? Do you have like a yeah. stand or a?
1: I just barely got a stand because they were just taking up an entire like pile. dresser thing that yeah. I have. I don't have, like, tons of CDs, but... Sure, have, have a good ones. amount of CDs. Yeah, they're all really good.
0: like that one you played for me that you actually, like... Like, made, but sort of, like, designed in the same oh, way. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, because with... I just like having the objects yeah. of the CD because it, it's, ah. like, a an artifact of what I was into at a point, you know? Totally. So, when people just release music online... I've just always hated that because yeah. it doesn't exist, like, in and the I world. A form. So what I've done ever since I was in the seventh grade is I, I print it off and then make a CD case and, like, <laughs> I'll write all the info on it, all the musicians, <laughs> often where it was recorded, I love like, it. the year. Rudy Van Gilder. Exactly. <laughs> 1966. New um, Jersey. And then at some point in high school I started instead of just kind of drawing it and maybe making a little design, I started just making full-out, like, album artwork covers for it. That's (laughs) amazing. Because I had a CD called In a Circle with Our Closest Friends, which is my high school band, The Continentals. Mm -hmm. It was, like, the third album we released. It was a little EP. And we handmade all the copies. And we ended up with all these extra, like, fold fold sleeve Cardboard things—they were just empty. So I had all these empty CD cases, and I was like, "Oh, I can just start using them to make mm. CD cases for the CDs I burn."
0: Wow. That's really cool. <laughs> That's pretty really cool. Did you ever? Uh, I'm sure all children do this, but were you like into arts and crafts as a kid? And if so, what yeah, did I was you really do? into drawing. Drawing, mm-hmm. and, like portraits, scenery. Inventions?
1: Uh, like portraits or like action figure or draw like, you know, RoboCop and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. I was always like one of the really good drawers in class or whatever. Wow. But then just stopped, kind of stopped drawing.
0: But now you when
1: I Probably when I play music. Yeah, I've been drawing a lot lately. Mm.
0: It's been fun. These are all my questions.
2: Deidre? I do. I, uh, I tried to, I was really bad, and I'm still not the greatest, but I, I made a deliberate effort to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Because my friend Martin Wintz, he taught himself just like literally in one summer. Mm-hmm. And he went through a couple books but he literally would just do hundreds of drawings and he got like super talented at drawing wow. and he was I lived with him freshman year at college. And I was in just like, like a
1: conventional sense. Yeah,
2: know. like he had the formal chops, you yeah. know, of mm-hmm. like just like he if he wanted to he could just draw you like perfectly in terms of your form but also expressively too, and like yeah, interesting. Yeah. So it's like he had both the technical ability and the creative. Awesome. Aspects, and I was like, you just literally sat down. He's like a really intense person who would just go through spurts. Like, nah, nah, nah.
0: Yeah. He did the
2: same thing with like classical piano. Uh-huh. Like started really late. You know, wasn't one of those like kids that always did lessons. And hmm. he um, he just like did just really really intense classical piano study with some teacher in Berkeley for like I don't know like a year and like was playing Chopin and and all this like really virtuosic shit. That's so cool. So, he kind of inspired me, so I, one summer, I just kind of got this book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, but mostly just drew a bunch and got really into it. So, I created, like, I was slightly better, and I'd always, like, be drawing my friends and stuff.
1: I'm try is right, is the right the creative or the more logical side? The
2: right is the creative. Okay. Left is linear. Okay.
0: I have another question. Have you drawn any self-portraits?
1: Of myself? uh mm-hmm. No. I don't think so.
0: You should. I'd be interested to see what your vision of yourself would be.
1: Yeah. You too.
0: Point <laughs> <laughs> next <time>. story. <laughs> next
2: doc.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, more and more...
0: Uh... Or like Luke's cartoon version of himself is hilarious. I haven't seen it. You should see it.
1: I've been feeling more and more of a disconnect of my self-image with when I see myself. Huh. That being said, when I see myself performing, it feels very me. Ah. But when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like... It's like,
2: like, that's an image. And I just cut my hair.
1: (laughs) And I had, like, long hair for... Not long, but, you know, like, shaggy hair or whatever for a while. And then I cut it, and I, I liked it. But then I cut it again, and lately I'm just like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) You don't look like Logan. I don't
2: know. Do you guys feel like that? Yeah. It's weird. Self-image is weird.
0: Yeah. I've been drawing self-portraits lately. Really? But, like, not what I actually look like. They're more, they look like prints, kind of. They look like what? They look like prints. Deliberately so, or just how it comes out? Like, I, when I first started to try to draw them, like, I don't, you know, I'm not the kind of person that can be like, there it is, it's me. I just drew, like, a lot of hair, and I drew, like, you know, kind of, like, really broad shoulders. Sort of, like, shoulder pad, you know, a really fancy coat, and a mouth, and then no eyes, but just lots of hair, and lots of, like... Yeah. You know, just really flamboyant. I'm like, this kinda looks like Prince, but this also kinda looks like what I feel inside. Yeah. 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 Like the inner performer, kinda like you. You
1: don't have paper here, do you? Uh,
0: you have the paper.
2: What do you mean I have the paper? <laughs> I have I have a little
0: pad, but I have no pen. Oh dang. <laughs> <laughs> you have that? Okay. Well, this has been interview with Logan Home. Thank you, Logan, for being so candid. I hope it was remotely interesting. It was incredibly interesting. (laughs) And thank you, Ryan, for also asking questions.
1: Yeah, sorry, kind of commandeered the musical. What an honor. It was an honor on this end.